And um, so thanks for that time of worship, Karen. Some couple of new songs there for me. Yeah. I don't know. I love them. I don't know. <laughs> well, we learned them, so that's really cool. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 9, uh, we're going to be looking at the transfiguration of Jesus. Just a little topic today, the transfiguration of Jesus. How great is that? Um, and we're going to be continuing. We um, spoke last week about inviting God's glory. And as we said last week, that as leaders, we'd had a leader's day together. We felt that God was saying to us that he wants us to invite his glory. As though the glory of God can be invited, it comes whether we like it or not. But there is a desire in our hearts for it. God wants us to have a desire in our hearts for the glory of God. And when the glory of God comes, it's obvious, it's clear, it happens. It's like rocket fuel to ministry because the glory of God is powerful and is mighty. And I'm going to talk a little bit about our mission statement about being a habitation of God's presence in community. Um, that fits in very much with what we're doing here right now. And I've just been excited by what God has been showing to me through these, through these words. So um, are we ready? Here we go. Take, get ready to take notes or mental notes or whatever you're going to do. And Adrian's always has already done a great build-up for me by reading out about P Peter's confession. Did you know you? That was the plan. That was the plan. So, um, because in Luke chapter nine, I'm just going to read it out, and then we'll and then we'll come into the the preach. So, Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-eight. About eight days after Jesus said this, so when Peter said, "You are Lord, you are the Messiah," Jesus said, "My glory is coming." Basically, I'm just summarizing. My glory is coming. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, what men? Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In brackets, he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. So, as Adrian was saying before, that Peter's confession of the lordship, of the messiahship of Jesus, our lives also need to be continuing confessions that Jesus is Lord. And whatever we do and whatever we say, when we come to worship of a morning like we do here and we gather together to pray, we are declaring that Jesus is Lord. And if we want to know the glory of God, we need to know that he is Lord of our lives. And if he is Lord of our lives and we're declaring it, then the glory of God will come. Because that is the doorway in, to know the glory of God. And it's interesting here, it says, at the very beginning, and I'm going to go through a few verses at a time, about eight days after this, it says he went up onto a mountain to pray. In Luke's gospel, Luke's really into prayer. And he said, this is where the transfiguration happens, in the place of prayer. In a place of, and I'm going to call it worship-filled prayer, or prayer-filled worship. In the place of worship-filled prayer, or prayer-filled worship, there is an encounter with God. There is an amazing encounter with God. 
prayer is not just speaking to God. Worship is not just singing to God, but an experience of God. And we saw it in Acts chapter 2, you know, when they were all gathered together, and no doubt they were praying, and no doubt they were sharing about the amazing things they'd seen since Jesus had been risen from the dead and appeared to them and gone up to heaven. And then it tells us that the Holy Spirit came with a rushing wind, tongues of fire on their heads, and they were speaking in tongues. It was an encounter with God that they wouldn't have forgotten, that it just transformed their lives. And the and God added to their church 3,000 by the time Peter had finished speaking. And then later on in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says that they were all praying together. And it says this, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And in... <laughs> We're looking bemused, so we're not quite sure what that might be. Um, and it's interesting, Adrian, to talk about pushback, wasn't she? You know, if, if, if anybody here is feeling a little bit low spiritually, a bit, a bit down spiritually, a little bit not in the right place spiritually, I'm going to say pushback. Does the devil want us to get into his glory? Will he push back? Is he just going to sit there and let us do it? I'm going to say pushback. I'm going to say maybe this week has been the hardest week so far in school. I'm going to say pushback. I'm going to say God is on the move and the enemy doesn't like it. And it might be little fuzzy things like that happening. It might be something a bit more major. But we are not of those who fall back and give up. But we are of those who push on into God, who press on. An encounter can happen in many ways. It can be like a, a gentle whisper has happened to Elijah. It can be a falling of the Holy Spirit. It can be a shaking of a room. It can be just a warm glow. When my mum was prayed for, when she went into the Church of England, she said she remembers just like the, uh, the, the vicar or the priest or whoever placing his hands on her, and she felt this warmth. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, an encounter with God can mean so many things. It might be falling flat on your face. It might be being pushed down with the kabod, the weight of God himself. But it always transforms us. And what we're going to do right now, I'm going to break in my sermon now, and because, you know, there are people in our lives that we want to encounter God. Am I right? There are people in our families, our children, Maybe our partners, the people that we are married to, or maybe our friends, or maybe our parents, or brothers, or sisters. I don't know. You know, Right now, as I'm saying this, there's people right now dropping into your heart. Yeah. Lord, I want them to encounter you, Lord God. I can say as many words as I like, but they need to encounter you. Mm. Lord God, let's just pray. Mm. Lord God, we can talk about encountering you. We can talk about your glory Lord, but we in this room, we know it, Lord. We want those who don't yet know you to know you. We want to pray for those, Lord God. Maybe you've moved away from you. We want to pray for those, Lord God, our, our sons and our daughters, our nieces and our nephews, our husbands, our wives, our, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our, those, our work colleagues, our friends, our, whoever it may be, Lord. We lift them before you. We pray that they would encounter you because only by encountering you will they be transformed. Lord, we want to just cry out for it to happen, Lord Jesus. We, we cry out, Lord God. We push back against the enemy and we say, we cry out, Lord God, that they would encounter you. And those people that we're naming now in our hearts before you, may they encounter you now today. 
May they know you now, today, in whatever way, in whatever miraculous way, may they know you. I've known it in my life that you have sent people just randomly out of the blue to somebody I've been praying for, just spoken about Jesus. You, you, Lord God, are the one who makes it happen. May they encounter you. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that God is answering that prayer right now in heaven. Amen. Thank you. And so we see here is Jesus, and he's in the place of prayer. And then verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. Doesn't that remind you of Moses? Doesn't that remind you of Exodus 34, verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Because he had spoken with the Lord, his face was radiant. And those, you know those people who spent time in the presence of God, you can see on their faces that there is a radiance from those people. And they're not always aware of it, but there's something different about you. People may have even said it about you. Something different about you. I don't know what it is. And it's the glory of God. But then we see something else happening. Something that didn't happen to Moses. So as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And this bit. And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. How bright is that? Have you ever seen the lightning over Liverpool? As bright as the flash of lightning. Jesus not only reflects God's glory like Moses did, but he is God's glory. He is God's glory. He is the one who flung stars into space, who is the source of all light and of all glory. In Acts chapter 26, verse 13, Paul tells King Agrippa about his conversion on the road to Damascus. And he says, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me. Jesus is who he saw. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a gold sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said... Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is God's glory. And God's glory is Jesus. And then we see in verse 30, it says here, two men. And it's almost as though but Luke keeps repeating this word men. Because they, these are men. You might revere Moses, you might revere Elijah, but compared to Jesus, they're just men, like you and me. And these two men, Moses and Elijah, are significant because they point to Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and of all prophecy. Moses represents the law. Elijah, the prophets. Jesus fulfills everything of the law and everything of the prophets. 
He is the purpose, the cornerstone, the lamb on the throne and the coming king. He is the alpha and the omega, the whole point of everything and the whole focus of our lives. So when I spoke last week about Moses in Exodus chapter 33, and Moses says, show me your glory. 1,500 years later, God fulfills it for him when Moses appears on the Mount of Transfiguration and he sees the glory of Jesus. Show me your glory. He sees it in Jesus. Our God is a faithful God and he will fulfill his promises. Jesus is everything. Nothing else matters until Jesus matters most. And I love these verses in Zechariah. One of the minor prophets, if there's such a thing really. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Jerusalem will be a city without walls. And for Jerusalem here, I'm taking that to be the worshipping people of God. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself, and this is Jesus speaking, we kind of think that Jesus is like, there he is contained in the New Testament. He was born and there he, no, he was there from the very beginning. He was there at the creation of the world. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. It was Jesus who flung stars into space. Jesus is speaking. He says, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. We live our lives with Jesus, the glory of God within us, and yet we also live our lives within his glory. We are within him and he is within us. He is the protective Holy Spirit, powerful God who surrounds us. And he's also the mighty, amazing, grace-filled, mercy-filled lover who just fills our lives. We are a habitation of God's presence, a dwelling place of his glory. And his powerful glory is that surrounding fire that protects us. The worshipping church, God's city, is without walls because it cannot be contained. It is without walls because it is expanding and it is growing. His kingdom is marching on. It has no limits until one day he returns and all the earth will see his glory and will bow the knee. There is no limitation on the glory of Jesus and nothing can stop it. You may have got yourself into a place where you felt the experience, the glory of God. It's nothing to what he is going to do. Just think about the most wonderful moment where maybe you've just experienced angels. I don't know, some of you have been in places where that's happened. There's more. Maybe you've been in church services where the worship has been outstanding and amazing, just felt the glory of God. There's more. Maybe you've seen revivals happening. Maybe you've heard about revivals happening. Maybe you've been in places where there's been wheelchairs all over the, was it the, not Albert Hall, wherever it was, Philharmonic Hall. How amazing is that? There's more. Maybe you've just heard about places around the world where revival is happening time and time again. Hundreds and hundreds of people are giving their lives to the Lord. People are being raised from the dead. There's more, because there is no wall around what God is going to do. It is an expanding, it is a growing kingdom. And the glory of God will stop you in your tracks, but there's nothing that you can do to stop the glory of God in its tracks. And Moses and Elijah, both of those people were, were people who delivered God's people from bondage. We know about Moses taking the people out of Egypt and Elijah at the time when he just the prophets of Baal were, were coming and there was Jezebel and, the, and, and it was just horrendous. And then 
And then they, they saw the amazing deliverance of God. But it's interesting that the ministry of Moses was completed by Joshua. It was Joshua entered into the promised land. And Joshua means the Lord saves. And Elijah's ministry was fulfilled by Elisha. Elijah was the prophet of judgment. Elisha, the prophet of grace. And Elisha is another form of the word Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And Jesus refers to John the Baptist as an Elijah, if you will. And Jesus is another version of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And as they are talking, as Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus, says they were talking about his departure. The word used is departure. And that, in the Greek, is the same word as exodus. As they were talking about exodus. As they were talking about deliverance. Freeing God's people from bondage. God's glory brings deliverance to us and to the whole world. And with this morning we've celebrated it through the cross. He brought about deliverance. And on that cross, the glory of God was there. The whole of heaven was interceding. And the glory of God liberated us. And next week, we've, um, we've got Saltmine coming and they're doing a, a presentation called The Liberator. Well, that's what Jesus is, The Liberator. And what we're going to do next um, Sunday is we're going to gather together at 10 o'clock in this hall because there's, there's a presentation on the Sunday night and then on Monday of the school. And that hall, we want to be filled with people that don't know Jesus. And we want them to be liberated. And that's going to happen by worship-filled prayer and prayer-filled worship. By the glory of God filling that place. And, um, and Saltman team are going to turn up about 11 o'clock. So we'll, we'll get Adrian on quick and then we'll do some worship. And then they're going to be out there. They're going to be setting up. But they'll be setting up in the glory of God. Because the glory of God will already be there. And the glory of God will be there when people come and listen to the Liberator on the Sunday night and the Monday night. Because we believe and we know the glory of God is here to set people free. And then in verse 34, and we're just kind of finishing um, in a moment, it says this. Um, verse 34, like so many of us would do, Peter is talking gibberish again. And we, and we all do that. We can't point the finger at him. Is he, don't we all sort of waffle on sometimes? We all do waffle on sometimes. And God, I love the way that God deals with it. He puts Peter out of his misery by just bringing this cloud down. It's, just, it's, like, it's like God is saying, shh. <laughs> just stop talking Peter and this cloud and this cloud comes down and appears and it says it covers them and a voice it kind of reminds us doesn't it of the baptism of Jesus when at the baptism he says you are my son whom I love with you I'm well pleased but here there's a difference because the voice from the cloud is speaking to the disciples and says this is my son whom I have chosen Listen to him. Instead of being addressed to Jesus, it is to the disciples, a declaration of the glory of Jesus that, are, that is to be shared with the whole world. And instead of a voice from heaven, it's now a voice to the disciples from within the kabod, from within the glory, from within the presence of God. A presence that stops Peter and all of us in our tracks and causes us to listen to and in our, in our busy world, it's so easy not to. Exodus 24, keep going back to Moses. You know, the links are so strong. 
when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, Exodus 24, verse 15, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Verse 17, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Imagine that, within the kabod, within the glory, within the cloud, there was Moses, 40 days and 40 nights. It's astounding. And when he was there for 40 days and for 40 nights, for the next seven chapters, for the next seven chapters, God is speaking to Moses. And he's given him instructions about the ark and about the tabernacle and about the priestly garments and about Sabbath. And, and then Moses comes down the mountain and they've built a blooming golden calf. What's going on? He smashes them up and then he goes back up again. And Moses had been there in the presence of God. How astounding is that? We seek the glory of God. We seek Jesus in our prayer-filled worship, in our worship-filled prayer. So we can live grace-filled lives of spirit-enabled obedience as we listen to him, as we stop talking, as we stop busying, as we stop doing and just listen to his voice and are changed by his glory. And then everything that we say and everything that we do and everything we busy ourselves with is then anointed with his power and his glory. So what we're going to do right now and what we're calling for is for us to live lives of worship-filled prayer and prayer-filled worship. And we're going to go back and we're going to have some, some worship time now. I'm going to ask Karen to come and, um, and lead us in a bit more worship. And, but what we need to do in our lives is say, Lord, you know, it's there in your word. Your glory is there and it's open and it's available for all of us in your mercy. And um, I know that when I was uh, kind of first regave my life over to the Lord, really, and was filled with his spirit, there was... Um, a song that went through my head um, so often, and it's by um, somebody called Keith Green, and um, and I was listening to, to it this morning again. God just sort of dropped it in my head again this morning, and um, and Keith Green was saying that he got to that point where he got all sort of wrinkly and God, you know, kind of like into the routines and just like become a bit stale, really, I suppose, a little bit not fed up, you know, wasn't doing anything wrong. He, he just realised that he was, it just gone a bit grey in his in his faith. So he said he was up till 2 o'clock in the morning just writing this song. And I don't know if it's a song that we do, or we, I'm not saying we do it now, but, um, oh Lord, you're beautiful. Just love that song. I would sing it now, but I'll spoil it. Oh Lord, <laughs> maybe somebody else can sing it a bit later on. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds with me. Let's just pray. Lord God, you know, we've spoken about big things and mighty things and powerful things this morning. Spoken about your glory, which is just so overwhelmingly amazing. The brightness of your face, the brightness of, of who you are. That you are brighter than the sun. But I want to thank you, Lord, that you also look on us as your children and that you love us as a father does. You love us so dearly. Wherever we are, whoever we are, Lord, I thank you that you love us, you draw us, you call us. And that over this week, I want to pray that we would encounter you just as 
you are encountering already those people that we've prayed for before. We want to pray for more of you, Lord. More of you in this place as the Salt Mine team come, Lord, and set people free. More of you, Lord God, in our schools, in our churches. More of you, Lord God, across this nation. That your city would be a city without walls. That expands and it grows, Lord God, and be unstoppable. And we pray, Lord, again, that you would come and fill us and you would renew us with an awareness of you, Lord Jesus. Nothing else matters until you matter most. Reveal yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen.